0: Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How's your Monday? Uh it's great. It's
1: weird. My my weekend has been super busy. I like, guess my last week since we last talked it's been so busy. So this Monday just feels like it's mm. been rolling right into it. It's
0: crazy. Yeah, it's true. It's true. We recorded late last week and are recording on time slash early this week. Uh and so yeah, not uh, not a lot has happened. I did um, relocate. I don't know if I explained the whole camping thing. It's super boring unless you're into uh, RV park camping. But the short version is that in the membership I'm in, uh, for what I have already spent for the year, I can stay in the network of parks for free as long as I don't stay anywhere more than four nights in a row. So I'm moving Kind of a lot. Not a lot compared to some full-time nomads, but a lot for somebody still working a normal job. Right. uh, Remotely. But anyway, I moved on Saturday. So I went from north of Houston, Texas, to uh, just outside of San Antonio, uh, where folks know what salsa tastes like.
1: (laughs) Uh, But do they know what hot Dr. Pepper tastes like?
0: Yeah, no, I don't. I don't. don't think so i don't think so that's a i don't know if people still get that reference it's the old salsa commercials right um pace i I wonder where they would they would all yell new york city
1: i'm assuming and, and and i don't know it's different strokes for different folks um that when you're out traveling like getting local food would be that i mean as much as you get to go around the country that would be my thing. Like I was, I just, not every day of course, but like that'd be, you go into a town, what's Arizona's thing, you know, what's Texas food. Right. Right.
0: So I, I think I mentioned last week that a lot of these RV parks are kind of remote. So I say that I'm, uh, outside of, of San Antonio. Um, it took me almost an hour to get into downtown. Right. And I don't know how big San Antonio is. It's, it's a decent sized city. Um, and so it's, I, I mentioned that to say like, I, it like small towns are still small towns, right? Like I have been to a couple of Mexican restaurants, uh, maybe as many as three now, because they seem to have those in small towns in the Midwest and in the South. um, The best one so far was here in San Antonio. Uh, Probably not still like what you would find, you know, down on the border somewhere. Um, But there's still a decent, seems to be a decent uh, uh, Latin, Hispanic population here. Um, And so I traveled Saturday, right? So I I went, it's about uh, four and a half hours before stops to get from where I was to where I am uh this this latest trip and I since I was moving on the weekend I decided to go a little further and there's another park in between the two cities where I'll be uh next in the second half of the week um and so then I had all day Sunday to to do whatever so I drove into the city and got some Mexican food I got something called um carne Asada, which I'd never heard before. Not, car- it's not carne asada. Not not carne asada. It's I mean carne is is beef, right? So it's still beef, but it's more like a more like a beef stew, but it wasn't in a bowl. It was still on a plate, and they gave me tortillas like when you get fajitas, um, and it was just you know kind of stew meat, but really soft, and the seasoning on it was really good, and it was you know probably the best. I mean. I don't know that I've ever been to a Mexican restaurant and had it be bad. I mean, part of that is that I always order the same thing. Like it's some kind of burrito and maybe it'll be a little, you know, off in some way or another, but I'm generally not that picky. Yeah. And I'm like, it was a burrito and it was pretty fresh and there was chips and salsa and I had beans and rice on the side. It was everything I expect. Yeah. Um, But uh, this was really good. And then I went to, uh, they call it um, San Antonio Missions. I'm not going to remember the exact name. Uh, There are a series of um, Spanish missions in the city uh, that were, you know, they were like churches with some kind of monastery or nunnery or a convent. And often, like, a wall with some some little dwellings in the walls. And they're different. The sites are in different uh, levels of preservation. Okay. Um, because most of that, like, predates... Excuse me. Predates um, the area becoming a state. Part of the United States. Like, part of it was still... You know, they were built, like, in the time when it was part of Spain. Right. And so Spain would send um, these Franciscan um, um, friars and priests and stuff, and they would build these little, um, you know, missions. It was like a little settlement that would have walls to protect from uh, natives. And then, you know, natives would come in and they would sort of teach them. European farming and stuff like that. It's an interesting sort of thing to read because I'm like, huh, this is yeah, it's this this nice record with a lot of plaques and stuff, just um, laying out step by step how they how they just wiped out these people's culture. That's cool. Jeez, oh, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, obviously it's it's written in a like informative historical kind of put a little bit of a positive spin on it kind of way, but it's a little a little hard to look at now and be like oh
1: yeah yeah that's awesome. that's cool sure um, right you know sure. but
0: it's uh at some point in the 70s uh the sites were added to um the national park system so there are national parks and there are four of them um sort of spread throughout the city along where the river was and there's a place where they um they built a dam and diverted the river so they could do irrigation, the San Antonio River, so they could do irrigation. And you can still see some of that. Um, the buildings are varying, varying levels of still intact. Um, and so, like, some of them have been somewhat restored. Some of them are kind of, you know, they uncovered some of the original paint um, and stuff like that. The only thing I didn't get to do um, was see... The Alamo, the famous one. Yeah. um, It's right downtown. And there was something going on. I, I didn't get a really good sense, a really good picture of, of what was going on because I was driving to it. And then saw like road traffic signs. So like Alamo Road, Alamo is closed from, you know, yesterday, the 23rd until the 25th or something like that. So I'll be moving again before i get another chance but depending on how long i stay in texas i might be in the area again and uh and take another take another chance at another shot at at going to see it actually Um, actually
1: actually trying to get there and and check that uh, very historic place out yeah
0: right right um but the other four were all were all really cool um a different like similarities but different kind of construction different kind of layout a different setting where they are in where the city has has grown up around them um they are um especially the there's there's one that's very well preserved that's not hasn't been restored it's still mostly intact and in the u.s it's the oldest um stone church that's still that's still standing that hasn't been rebuilt or or restored in some way and it's uh like a little over 300 years old like 1716 or something like that it was the guy said uh that it was built which is you know it's a big deal here it's a thing that i say about when uh sarah and i went to ireland and i know ireland is still relatively young in that timeline. Like you can go to Rome and Greece and see buildings that have been standing or at least ruins of those buildings, you know, for 2000 years. Um, but of course here there's nothing, you know, these buildings that predate the country by a few decades are the oldest you can find because there weren't, you know, the people who were here before weren't building buildings. Right. Yeah. Um, And, um, and so that was kind of cool. And because it's part of the park service, I don't know if I said this, um, anybody who's gone to a national park site and looked at the, at the gift, gift shop knows that they have a variety of, um, sort of things that you can buy to track. I'm saying this in a complicated way. (laughs) Souvenirs. Yes. Right. Like they have all your normal touristy souvenirs, but then because it's the national parks, they have a variety of sort of checklist or what what people my age and a little younger might call pokemon kind of stuff <laughs> uh, sure where where you want to collect them all or like coins or pogs or whatever you're collecting thing of choices yeah yeah i know exactly what you're um about. i started probably almost 10 years ago now collecting shot glasses which is super cliche <laughs> um but like souvenir kind of things and so when um when i was in waco texas and went to the um the mammoth uh, fossil site park yeah um i was looking at this stuff and they had shot glasses but i'm like man if i get a shot glass from every national park that's
1: that's so many it's so many there's so many um, national
0: parks people don't realize how many there are right right and and of course for like i didn't know either like that's part of what i'm doing on this trip i'm like are there i was in waco and went to the Dr Pepper Museum that I talked about last week because a YouTuber that I follow was there a couple months ago, and I was just zooming out on Google Maps and I'm like, "Oh, national park! I should go check that out." Because i you know, in your mind, you're like, you know, Yosemite and Yellowstone and you know, Old Faithful, like all of the like a couple of big, um, you know, f- the famous original national parks, right? Um. But the one here is like, here are these old historic churches. They should be protected by, you know, they're churches, but they were really foundational to the settling of the area, right? Like, they were right. these, they were also sort of forts where the people could be protected from raiders and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. But anyway, um, they have a couple things in the gift shop. Like, they have medallions. They're like, they look like coins. And you, nail them onto your like big walking stick
1: oh like, yeah that's okay.
0: kind of cool i don't have a big walking stick <laughs> um
1: but it's still pretty cool
0: it's pretty cool but they have a thing that they call a passport it looks like a. am holding my hand out for how big it is um <laughs> that's great great podcasting um it's like the size of a big wallet or you know like a phone, but thicker it's spiral bound it's a book, and it's got um some information about a lot of the parks and then blank spaces where you put stickers and stamps, yeah, and then at the gift shop, they sell the stickers and they have the stamps, you can just use them, and they're those rubber stamps with the with the date uh wheel on it, yeah, um so it's kind of i mean it's <laughs> I'm describing a passport, it's like stamping a passport, so you go you go to the park. And it's, you, there's just a station. You do it yourself. um. And this one had separate stamps for the four different uh, missions. So it was like one big one with the date. And then I went, I they're far enough away that you could bike to them. um, But I didn't have a bike. So I just drove to the different ones and then came back and stamped that I'd gone to all four. So it's like to fill up this book with all the little things. And I I bought the book in Waco at the Mammoth um at the Mammoth site, I was like, I could do this, and it's it's small. I can put it in my pocket, and it's not going to be nearly as much space and weight as adding a bunch more uh, shot glasses to my collection.
1: So, so much, so much of be, yeah. The uh, I that thing about the collecting the stuff at the the parks. Um, my kids when we went out to out uh, west one with like a two week trip, and we hit mm-hmm. we hit like many national parks long way like we drove from here to, yeah, to yellowstone yeah. and and we stopped at several like minute man uh badlands you know south dakota stuff you know a lot of really good good parks and Rush,
0: at the, rushmore
1: yes rushmore of course um and um at our very first one that we stopped at i can't think of where it was we had saw that they had this thing they were advertising called junior ranger program
0: and i had at the time yeah i see i see signs for that too it seems Maybe connected to the stamp thing but probably I I, probably I mean, obviously it's not yeah. of direct interest to me, so i yeah didn't right
1: really look into it well they they had uh um at the time I had like a fourteen year old and I to say seven or, you know it would be like fifteen year old and uh six or something like that right and and we were going into these places. And like, Hey, Hey kids, let's see what this, why we're here right at the ranger station. We go in there and, and see, like get a map or find out what we're looking at here or what we're supposed to be in, appreciating. Um, and they, they showed this thing and we talked to the person like, yeah, at every national park, you can go up there and say, Hey, I want to be part of I want to do the ranger, uh, junior ranger program thing. And they'll give you like a, uh, a, a fold out page. It's like, a, I guess it looks like a coloring book, but it's only got two pages. Right. Um, Hmm. And it's different at each park, but they're basically like that. And it's kind of like a scavenger hunt type thing where um, all the information is around in this, uh, the ranger station, you know, because it talks about if you're in Yellowstone, it talks about the volcanoes and magmas and stuff like that. And then it'll have on the back after you go through and do all these little like fun word searches and puzzles and stuff like that on the back, it has a questionnaire. With like seven questions. And uh, mm. if you can uh, fill those all out correctly and turn them into the ranger, you get a patch for or a badge for that station, for that, that uh, monument or you know, that, okay, yeah. that place. Um, and, and they are unique to that one. Like the patch has looks like a special one just for that park. And it says national parks and stuff. Yeah. So every national park has a specific junior ranger badge. Um Which was really, really cool, and a lot lighter than a shot glass um <laughs> so so we um we started on that one, and we had so many, and then we ended up just going to to parks along the way just just so that we could stop and quickly do the ranger program thing now not always was it really quick, but you know about an hour or so we we drove over to the Minuteman base in i want to say. South Dakota, I think is where it is. It's where the Badlands is. It was just kind of okay. along the way from the Badlands to Mount Rushmore. And we was like, hey, we can drive a mile off this road and go to this thing. And it's a historic park and get their badge. And the girls did. And it was great. And they actually learn a little bit while they're doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, they're looking specifically on the uh, exhibits for their answer to their question. But they, they learn it, right? It was yeah. such a great yeah. little incentive way. And we ended up... Uh, the girls now in their room have like a shadow box with all their 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 patches in it um later on we went to New York City, and Sydney had noticed on the brochures that they have and New York City has a bunch of historical national parks mm-hmm. uh, so like Ellis Island is a national park mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. so we she one of our days out there she was like, "Can we go we were like planning our trip and she intentionally went to like four different places just to get the patches you know and i was like that's that, nice. that, that was interesting it was a new york city trip but here we are not just going to ellis island but because like ellis island has one and the the statue has one uh they're hmm. separate national parks and then separate yeah and then there's like a fort when you take the the ferry back it ends at an old fort is where it comes back and that's got its own national park uh sure so we just hit a whole bunch of them um and obviously some of these parks are not as good as others some parks are fantastic but other ones are kind of lame um so we we uh that that was we we did this that's a long way to say that we we did something like that and i think that's a really neat kind of thing especially says because the the national parks are generally so neat and the reason why they are yeah what they are yeah and and but when we saw the map of all the national parks we're like okay this is not attainable to do them all (laughs) it's not like a catch them all type thing it's going to be get whatever you get um yeah heck even indiana has several i'm like really That's crazy um like who's your national forest is one of them
2: mm-hmm. yeah
1: uh, so anyway yeah that's that's cool i mean if you're you're out there doing that kind of stuff like like you said eating the, the different kinds of foods and seeing the different sites is granted you're you're still working a job you know doing that stuff yeah it's not like you can always go sightseeing all the time um but you know it sounds like a cool thing to do in the evenings and
0: yeah, that's why. I mean, yeah, with my my work schedule, I can't really go do stuff during the week. Like, I could maybe, you know, if there's somewhere close by. I think I said this when you were talking about restaurants. Like, if there's a restaurant close to the park, I could go there for dinner. Um, although I've mostly just made food because it's easier. Yeah. Um, but I did go to a bar that's near. The campground here that was on the little camps campground information thing um that was like bar and barn restaurant kind of thing and it was it was fine i was a little nervous to to be in a public place <laughs> like that but right. uh i mean and i've i don't know it was no more like um i mean it was less crowded than the mexican restaurant i went to in downtown san antonio so i don't know what's weird stuff going on in my brain but um it really was just like bar food right when you get bar food and it's like you can tell that this is from cisco or or gfs or something you know and it was it was fine right like i'm not a i'm not a picky like gourmet kind of person i just can recognize when one thing is is uh better than uh than than what I usually get. When I was in the city, I almost looked up like ramen or sushi or something that you can, you know, you can only get in the city. Right, Um, yeah. But I've been making like ramen and fried rice and uh, uh, soba kind of vaguely Japanese food in my camper. So I'm like, I don't want to go and eat ramen. Plus if I get really good like fresh made ramen, it's going to kind of spoil me for all the stuff that I have in the camper to eat. All oh, right. <laughs> right. Just, yeah. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want to do that either. Yeah.
1: The, uh, um, can't, can't always get the gourmet meals every day though. Right. And, um, no. Right. But right. Sti- still. I'm sh- I'm sure it's better than Texas roadhouse though. Or, right. <laughs> that We the we, yeah, we have yeah. here. Uh, not, not in Texas roadhouse. I love me some, love me some rolls there, but yeah. Uh, Eating in Texas and Texas Steakhouse would probably be a a better use of time.
0: It was a weird, a weird sort of yeah. I've mostly avoided. I mean, I have not really gone into and eaten at many places anyway, unless I'm, you know, kind of, kind of remote. Though I have gone once to uh, a fast food place called Whataburger.
1: Oh, I. You know, I've always wanted to eat Whataburger.
0: Yeah, yeah, down here. Yeah,
1: they they have them. Um, they have them in Pensacola, and I was like, I always want to stop, but yeah. every time I look at it, they're just like a really terrible McDonald's. I guess right. <laughs> it
0: it it does kind of it does kind of just look like a McDonald's. And I had what did I get? I got a chicken sandwich, something, and it was it was fine. I mean, maybe the burger is the thing, and I should have gotten the burger though. I'm trying to eat less beef, so. What I mean, well, you're in the wrong steak. place for that, but Mister. Right, right. I know. I mean, I did. I said Mexican restaurant. I got beef there, which is, seemed to be their thing. When I looked at the reviews on uh, on Google, um, people are like, "Yeah, this this is the best carne asada I've ever had." And I'm like, "Well, this seems to be a thing, and I've never heard of it." And I looked up the pictures, and they're like beef stew kind of thing. And I'm like, "What the heck? I'll try it.
1: Give give it a go, right?" Yep,
0: yep. The um,
1: yeah. See, the you got You got to try some some Texas steak out there. Let me know. Let me know how it goes. Um, or or some Tex-Mex. You're, you're further, you're far down. You should get some good, you know, Latin stuff, I guess. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's, that's why I sought out the, the Mexican place when I went into the city. For yesterday.
1: sure. Um, going into the city. That's great. Where, where is, I know you're going to be in Texas for a while. Do you, do you have a, a plan where else you're going to be going, tra- traveling to next?
0: Um, not really at this point. Uh, I do have some plans in a month or so in the spring. Um, mostly I'm, I'm sticking down here while the weather is, uh, cold. Yeah. Um, it's where I'm at now. It seems to be hovering around in the fifties. Like it gets cold at night and I have to run my heat, but, uh, but during the day is pretty, it's not, it's not too warm. But it still kind of fluctuates a lot, which is which is frustrating. But at the same time, I'm glad that it's not um you know, it's not super warm. Like it hasn't gotten above the mid seventies since maybe a week ago. Really? I don't know. The days are the days are, are thrown a little off. But I had a couple places I camped where when I arrived and set up it was really nice. Like low mid 70s and then like a front came through and it was in the 40s for the rest of my stay there i'm like man <laughs> what the heck I, I, would, I mean it's still not you know it's still not winter like yeah was, you guys are getting back
1: home i was gonna but, say i I would be very happy with with 40s right now that would make me a yeah a happy person we're, we're sitting at 17 yeah. on average yeah, it's, the end of the day.
0: it's it's definitely still warm enough that i can you know go for some short walks and stuff and i usually don't i think i i carried my jacket around with me yesterday when i was downtown um but by by toward the end of the day or end of the afternoon like four-ish um i started to leave my jacket in the car because i'm like it's a little too warm uh, right for this a little too warm to be to be walking around
1: it's a right we we, again i wish it was warm i really hate the winter if you can't <laughs> so mm, it's so right. bad uh i got m- so many layers and i looked like like that kid from um christmas story christmas I'm, story yeah well rock like, uh, and then and then i got i've got class which i'll i can talk about here in a minute but my i have a classes a class this semester for from four to eight on fridays saturday and sundays and at eight o'clock it's dark I think it's dark at five five
2: thirty here mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. um and so it's dropped, the timber's dropped significantly since I go into the place. Um, and I walk out of the building to walk to my car, which is like two blocks away. And oh my gosh, it's just bitter cold all the way there. I'm like, you know, dashing to the car, even though if I'm bundled up, it's it's terrible.
0: Um, you're you're dashing through the snow?
1: No snow. No snow. Mm. It's, today it got up to like 30, so it was... Which is which is great because mm-hmm. it like of course it gets up to thirty right when it's going to do the terrible weather because it get up to thirty and then it's sleeted like like you know what I'm talking right, about yeah. snow rain. and yep.
0: rain yep. and
1: crap it was terrible so
0: that was how I described uh so, you know Bloomington Southern Indiana weather to my family when they bought property in Bedford yeah I was like well there's winter and it gets cold but it's not snow like we get up north and it's still not really the northern Indiana snow is still not like Minnesota, Michigan yeah. kind of snow. Right. But it'll still snow and the snow will sit and it'll stay. And it'll get kind of gross with the, you know, road yep. mud and stuff spreading on it. But in Bloomington it would like it would hover around freezing. And so we'd get snow and then it would melt. And then it would freeze and then it would melt. And so it was just this constant like icy slush kind of situation. Yeah.
1: And you can, and you can never tell whether it is actually going to be bad. Like, because if it gets that icy slush and then it freezes and stays below freezing, then you've just got black ice everywhere. Right. Right. So, so they, like they do in Indiana, like they should do is they try to salt the the ground and sand the ground, mostly sand. Mm -hmm. And um, so even if you get this slushy stuff and it doesn't freeze, you just have gray, sand everywhere you know it's just and it's just great and the skies are gray i don't know everybody's listening to show knows that i'm going to complain in january about january it's not been we haven't had a a clear sky since um before new year's it's just been gray gross um Hmm. so hopefully i'm I'm hoping thursday's my birthday i'm hoping that you know there'll be a rainbow come out and be beautiful outside whatever (laughs) we'll see um Speaking of the class, though, I I, ha, I have, I might have mentioned on the show, I can't remember, but I'm taking a a three-week, it's three-week intensive kind of course um, at IU that um, is taught by a, a guy named Michael Uslan. You can do a Google search for him. He owns the the film rights to, to Batman, to the Batman stuff. So anything, mm-hmm. any, any, um, film since Michael Keaton's Batman, um, He's been like a producer on it, um, so because he, okay. he owns the rights. Uh, but he he's come out and he's an alumni at IU, and he runs. He comes to to IU for three weekends, and because he's still an active producer in Hollywood. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's a producer on the new Batman coming out. Um, so he sparkle, sparkle Batman, yeah, Sparkle Batman. Um, he uh, by the way. I don't know. I think this is okay to say he, he he describes it more considerably more like the movie Joker. And I mean with Joaquin
0: Phoenix, I didn't see that movie. So yeah,
1: it's very like very gritty and realistic. Like even more realistic than Nolan's Batman type stuff. Um, Okay. So yeah, anyway, and, and it's a detective show, like a murder mystery detective show. Um, or movie. Anyway, so he's still kind of actively doing that. Comes in, comes in for these three three weekends, and um, he uh, he gets his people that he knows in Hollywood to to zoom in, and we get to ask them questions for four hours a day. Which it's been pretty fun. The first weekend, it's it's exhausting because it's you know four hours straight, three days in a row.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I did a couple of those when I was first starting because I started at community college, and they would do like you know your night class that yeah. only meets once a week. Yeah, and so would do like three or four hours. Yeah, it's all that one night.
1: It's it's kind of exhausting. I mean, it's cool cool on one hand, especially when you talk to ones that are that are pretty cool. Um, some of them are. Are all, all of them so far in their first weekend have been have been pretty? I don't want to say important. They're important. They're in, they're important people. Uh, I can't talk too many specifics. I can tell names, so I just can't tell much about the classics. I had to sign an NDA, but um, mm. you know, there are people in in Hollywood that have important jobs, but you may not know they're important jobs, right? Like sure, uh, um, a guy who is um, head sound designer for skywalker sound right like you may not know who that guy is mm. right yeah yeah, but, yeah and he i didn't have that guy on but let's just say it's like that so you don't he may not be famous or known but he is clearly an important part of the process right sure uh, especially if you're working at that level so we, we we've gotten a couple of those people on and uh so that it seems like it wouldn't be very entertaining you'd be like struggling through but it it, it gets through you know by the time four over hours are over you're you're tired and we're we're sitting in a room, kind of a small 27 of us in this room, and we're wearing our masks, and it's, it gets hot. And you're right. Mm. You definitely can't be like yawning in front of in front of these people, <laughs> uh, which, which is terrible. It, it, I will say, I got to see the the neatest one I got to see so far was I got to talk to Kurt Conroy, which is the voice of animated Batman. He's Batman, yeah. Yeah. He's He's been since like the last, I don't know, 93, 94 is when. Um, the 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 Dark Knight uh, Batman came out with like Mask of the Phantasm stuff. It was on on okay. TV, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he did, and he did that. He did that first voice, and he's done them all since. He does the Arkham like Arkham games. He's done all those. Um, super nice guy, really really cool. He's he's kind of retiring hmm. from it, I think. Now he's sixty six years old, and uh, but still, like talking to him for an hour, it's it's just hard not to like look at him and hear him talk and not think you're talking to Bruce Wayne. Like I mean, for real, it's just crazy how much uh you know, he looks, he just looks like what could be Bruce Wayne. Um okay. But but unlike the dark scowling dark knight, he's got a smile. This guy's got a smile on his face a whole lot of the time. He's sure super sure. kind and uh you know, open and self-deprecating and and you know, there I will say uh, there's a lot of Hollywood that are true this class is showing me that of uh, personalities it's very true with stereotypes big, you mean the stereotypes yeah big big egos like to have their egos stroked you know yeah do do a lot of stuff yeah. but, but then there are I, the people that we've talked to that have been in, in the industry for a while let's say 50 and above um hmm. seem to be pretty like grounded people it's kind of like where they've gotten to the point where they no longer feel they have to be in that rat race they got
0: nothing to prove not not nothing to prove but like kind of a little bit yeah they um, they,
1: they kind of still do because yeah. i mean most of them have have those people that i'm talking about have, have brought up things called, they talk about like the imposter syndrome you know they still have mm-hmm. the imposter syndrome as, as long as they've been in the industry and won you know academy awards and such still for their roles and the things they still feel imposter syndrome now the younger people will never say that they're they're always exuding the, the confidence that I belong here type thing. Right. right. Um, yeah. and, and these people, the older people would say that too. It's like, I was totally that way of course, uh, beforehand and, and they recommend people being that way. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it, it's cool. It's interesting. I, I will say one of the off, off one that I didn't expect was we talked to a guy that, um, a, a director of the New Jersey film commission and I, I didn't expect that from a Hollywood show. But, um, you know, states do different states like Georgia and I think Texas and New Jersey for sure really like have a lot of incentives for um, movie companies. Out, Vancouver and British Columbia. Yeah,
0: I was I was going to say Vancouver that like maybe more television than film, or at least that's just yeah. what I hear about, like a, a lot of um, sci fi and and fantasy thing. I think in the case of Vancouver, it, it, it I mean, I don't know if this is true for everyone, probably for Canadians, it's less true than for us, um, but they can do like fake cities, right? Like yeah. if you're going to do, if you're going to do your CW show and you've got uh star city or maybe not metropolis, but um, you know, some comic book city, mm-hmm. like you can set it in, you can film it in Vancouver And it's clearly a city, but there's no, there's no landmarks that your average viewer is going to recognize, right? There's no Empire State Building. There's no, um, whatever the Sears Tower is called now. You don't see, um, the Golden Gate Bridge. You don't see, uh, London's, uh, big wheel, their big Ferris wheel thing, whatever that's called, um, that's it. that it's just like this generic city but i know that like we think about that as viewers it's classic you know just like i don't know what you call that like just as you learn you know as we say how the sausage is made or some of that kind of stuff you just look at it and you're like oh huh they film in they film in vancouver that's weird or <laughs> right. like um um the tv show i watched i zombie when i get a lot into a show then I'll start to like listen to podcasts and watch interviews with the actors and the and the creators and stuff like that and then I start to learn um these different things like iZombie was set in Seattle but they filmed it in Vancouver and I'm like you're so close why why did you do that well at least the weather is probably fairly accurate since uh, and I don't know they're probably not actually that close but um just for a lot of reasons. Um, and a lot of those are people, like you said, of a, a film commis- commission or whatever it's called, um, that, you know, work with the city to try and get, you know, different permits and, and um, whatever to make your location more attractive to a filmmaker, um, make things potentially more affordable. For them, or all that stuff is is interesting to me as a as a consumer, like I don't have any aspirations or ambitions to ever be a part of that world, but it's it's always really interesting to me to learn um you know there are a couple of podcasts uh done by cast members of the office, and they'll talk about the different people involved and all the little things um it's funny this is uh I want to go into this anecdote. I probably should. Otherwise, I'll forget. <laughs> so when I was when I was watching our movie, uh, there's a scene where a character is leaving the bar, and he's left his guns with the bartender. The generic bartender. Because all mm-hmm. the bartenders in that movie look the same. Um, and there's a shot, a kind of crane shot from above, where you can see the bartender sliding his gun belt to him. Right. And then a couple other things happen. There are a couple other shots. And then he asks for his guns from the bartender and the bar gets him and slides him. But he gets him and slides him over. And I was like, oh, that's a that's a continuity error. (laughs) Right. Yeah. In this like they they filmed this shot and it's he's sort of in the background of what's happening with Val Kilmer and and um, and them. But like they still had to get they had to edit in these different takes. And, um, you know, I've for years caught, that's the kind of stuff my parents, especially my dad would notice watching a movie when you're like, Oh, in this shot, you can see that door is open. But in, when they're looking at the other person, the door is shut. Um, yeah. And on the office, they have a person whose whole job is just to pay attention to stuff like that so that it doesn't happen. Right, so like right. she's watching the through the cameras, not you know like the cameras, but she's watching on the monitors and going and telling the actors like, Okay, in this shot, you're holding that pen in your right hand. So every other take, you know, every new take they do of that shot, that background actor has to be holding the pen the same way in the same hand oh yeah watch that all those things it all it all looks right when you know they're going to spend all day doing a ton of takes trying to get the actors in the foreground and part of this is the office because they have all their cast in the background all the time um but yeah that's just one example of like all of the interesting things like you said all the people like jobs you wouldn't even you wouldn't even think of and then you know But for me, I think about it a little bit and I'm like, okay, yeah, well, you know, movies are made in different cities. And so, you know, and you see that sometimes on the credits, right? They're like yeah, special thanks to the something, something commission of Atlanta or whatever uh, city they filmed. And you're like, oh, they filmed in Romania or, or, or whatever it is. And of course there are people like not lobbying, but like working to make that stuff happen. And that's, you know, even before you get into the whole army of people that it takes to make you know a video production like that you know just all the like the actors are the obvious ones and then the director is like the top of the list but then you go all the producers all the Mm -hmm. cameramen all the editors all the sound mixers like and then and then all the way down to like costuming and and props and sets and Location scouts and
1: yeah, they, they,
0: yeah, it's cool. They,
1: they have like, uh, this guy that I we were talking to, like, really brought to light some of the things that some states do that you guys always wonder, like, why don't they film in other places? Like, if they're shooting a movie about Indiana, what they film in Indiana, you know, or, or Illinois or Missouri or something, why do they do all these things. I mean, I know that there's you know, logistic reasons, but uh, like, it was a good kind of hour to listen to this guy talk about, well new obviously this is new jersey so i know about this one more than anything but uh, in the example for them they give a huge tax incentive and it's not just like a little bit it's like you can if you spend over a million dollars and 60 you know or, or a certain percentage of your budget is is like straight spent here in this in that state then they'll mm-hmm. they'll reimburse like 30 percent of staff or, or of like the the cast um um, their fees or whatever it's called. They'll, they'll represent their, or, or their, the cost of staff and things like that. So bringing over your, your lighting people or your costume people, you're getting 30% off straight off the cuff for, you know, to bring them over. Wow. Also, as you start to get people over it, like the guy said, you know, the reason their state's good at it and some other states are too, is that they, not only just they start with a, a huge tax incentive, you know, like uh, catering and things like that. Like you do all the catering and food services, 30% that the state will pay for, right? It's, it's a mm. huge amount of money. Um, you start with that and he says, and then the state needs to go all in. They need to like, no matter what, do everything to bend over backwards to make these film studios ha- be enticed over. Uh, for example, New York city doesn't have, um, paparazzi laws so paparazzi can be standing up right next to the camera right right but uh, new jersey will make laws to say no you can't do that you you know you can't take pictures in in a set within a certain amount of spaces and they'll make laws for that um, which entices people to come there they'll do things like uh new york city won't shut down their their subway but the newark city subway will shut down its subway for 12 days so that batman can be filmed there right wow, so and yeah. and they will just they they will just do that, right, so the state has to be super flexible, and then you've got these film commissions that will will do things like, hey, come to our state, and we as the film commission will handle all of the logistics with police departments, city hall mm, yeah uh everything that every right. permit that needs to be done,
0: we, as the film commission, will do it for you, um. Which is now I pretty great. you you, prob- you probably know what I'm gonna ask. What's that? What what's in it for them? Like what's their motivation?
1: Uh, jobs. So for 100 percent it's jobs because they don't they don't want to bring their people there. They'll bring sure the head costume person and they'll bring you know and maybe their assistants and they'll bring
0: hmm. you know
1: the the sound one one thing but they won't right. bring the entire sound crew.
0: They'll hire it's a, a studio It's expensive out there. Like, like location shooting is expensive. So then the state or the city has um uh whatever you whatever they're called companies. Yes. They have local companies who are like, Yes, we're we do, you know, this and the so, grip and lights. Yeah. 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 He he, he So says they'll like, bring their they'll bring their own cameramen, but the on location there's a company that has the people, to, you know, to do grips and, and exactly dollies and, and construction 100%. work and okay. And, cool. and New
1: Jersey gives tax incentives for for new businesses starting up doing those, right? Okay. So you get all sorts of tax breaks if you start up a an industry that is that is uh, or a business that is um, supports the film industry, and if you work on a film that has come to the state, you get a huge tax break. So it's, it's, you know, the, the the state is, like I said, doubling down. They're just really going out that they want the thing. And then these businesses start and you've got a grip and lighting, huge grip and lighting company that that travels all over. That's based in New Jersey and goes to all these film locations. And then you've got Mm -hmm. um, catering people that are made for film because they start up there because now they're starting to do stuff. So they start businesses and they're based in New Jersey and costuming and stuff like that. So they don't have to hire those at LA prices they can hire them at New Jersey prices, um, and, and they're all available yeah, and, out there.
0: And then the, yeah, so the, that's the, right, that's the motivation. I mean, it's, who knows, location shooting. I mean, so much stuff is made locally in the Southern California area, right? Like yeah. all of the, all of Parks and Rack. Right. Um, so I'm sure, you know, that it's expensive Right. It's it's expensive to have employees there, but it's probably more expensive to take your whole crew location shoot somewhere for an extended. Yeah. For an extended period of time. But then, you know, sometimes you need something you don't have. Right. Like you want to you want to film in a subway and you don't have a subway. And it's too there are too many. It's easier to film in a New Jersey subway than in New York than in a new york subway yeah because of all of these um all of the things you just you just listed and then for the location for uh new jersey or vancouver or wherever like they're creating commerce and industry and obviously where not industry but commerce um so. like you know where where that thrives, the city thrives, right? Like you have more totally. people move in, have more jobs that spend money and pay taxes and Yeah, and et cetera, et cetera. And,
1: and that they get they get Mutual those tax benefit. breaks. Remember, there was a stipulation that they get those tax breaks only if I, I, this big percentage of money is spent in New Jersey. So right. so they you know, they don't want them to bring people from California over here. They want them to hire the people locally for those things. Sure. Uh, so so that's that's what they that's the huge incentive for that thing. It's jobs and money that comes back in and it's really been successful. And it's, I'm sure it's difficult because from administration to administration, you know, you get different governors in there that may want to not put as much priority into it. But um, yeah, it's been, it's been pretty successful. I know I do happen to know that like Georgia is, is one of those big ones that was an up and comer, but Hollywood's doing Hollywood right now. And I know that Georgia is kind of getting blacklisted um mm. because of all the controversy that that state's been going through politically right, right. Uh, so without saying too much, I know that that uh, it's kind of known that Hollywood producers are not looking in that state for that kind- those kind of reasons um and um, yeah, I know
0: for a while it was a big. Like I'd see it on the tags for TV shows and stuff. Like there was a lot of content being made in Atlanta. Yeah. And, and, and they, um, they, they, I assume have, Atlanta, but somewhere yeah. in Georgia.
1: Yeah. Like New Jersey has, for example, that one, I know one thing to mention this, they have, um, an ins- tax incentives for diversity. So if you hire diverse, sure. if you have a diverse, uh, cast on your show or you hire a certain percentage, I think you get an extra $4 million, you know, break or 2% uh, tax return on, on that too. So, you know they have a lot of these big incentives. Where I know that Georgia is is going the opposite way and taking away oh, those right. incentives. Yeah. Uh So they used to have them, but now the new administration comes in and takes those incentives away and says, "Oh, we're not going to give a diversity incentive anymore." And then Hollywood's like, "Well, we'll go to the place that does have it for not just PR reasons, also, but for money reasons." And yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know, Georgia's in not not a great place. When that when that kind of comes to right now, I'm sure someone's listening out there like, oh, I don't think so, but you know, relatively. Uh, But anyway, it it was a really neat kind of thing to think about all this kind of stuff that goes into it. Um, What? um, Let me back up a little bit. Did you say what the class is called? It's it's got a weird name. It's called L.A. Live Making Movies. uh, uh, Pros Make Movies. L.A. Live Pros Make Movies. It's through our media school. That that
0: sounds like a series of of self help. Uh, yeah, uh, it. To- I, I saw it too. And I was like, heads.
1: "What? What is this?" Yeah, it's a, ter- it's a terrible, <laughs> terrible uh, name. Uh, it's we have at Indiana University. We have a media school. It's a brand new media school that we have, and it's okay. re- really, really nice. Um, and well, it's it, brand new. It's okay. yeah, it's brand new. I mean, it's super cool, super modern. It's awesome. Um,
0: so, is it like? Um, do, is do you have a better name you could give it yourself? Like. For, yeah for what it like the it doesn't seem like strictly the business side, but maybe
1: no it's 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 no. uh i would call it i would call the class um meet Hollywood that's what I would call it because like, you we in this first weekend we have had i think around nine uh speakers it's like every hour we have one hour in there where the 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 teacher taught, which is this uh Michael Uslan. He um he talked at the for one time just to kind of set up the class and say I was going, but then every hour we have a different speaker from Hollywood or this guy from New Jersey in this one case call in and tells us about how they got into the thing, what they do, and then just straight up ask questions, kind of like a panel type situation. Okay. Um. So that's that's, that's all it was, and they're just it's that's all it is. I mean, and then when they're done, we're out of class no real homework except for make sure we research these people and make questions. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, it's man, we, we've we talked to a publicist, like a major publicist, uh, a head per person. I don't want to get too specific. Um, head person for Sony pictures, uh, a producer for, um, and they, I guess some of these names might be out there. So these names don't matter. It's the, uh, producer for, um, um he did departed and um martin scorsese oh uh, scorsese yeah. yeah so so uh, they're they're i'd say they're big names i mean a lot of so people it's are a big kind
0: that, of um important people kind of yeah just kind of like a like an expert panel not, panel's the wrong word because that's it it's backwards it like, right
1: like we're, we're the top, just one person one on it's one it's not a one on yeah it's
0: not it's not a group of people but like a um like a series just a series of like guest lecturers with Q and A.
1: yeah exactly exactly and a very mm-hmm. short lecturing time like i'd say 10 minutes of each talk at the beginning is just you know them talking sitting setting it up and then we go go at it so it's really is just like really one-on-one because like i'd say we get like five or six people to ask questions throughout and they spend a good time 10 minutes you know or whoever it is they take their time to to really talk and, and identify and answer each, and answer yeah. questions and back and forth and have conversations. It's it is, feels very personal because remember they're at their home sitting at their computer, mm. you know, talking and the, the setup the media school has is very, very high tech. Like it's very clear, super 4k picture clear of all of us. We're not in a huge hall. So it's, there's only like three rows deep and they, they can look, zoom right in on us when we're talking to them too. Um, So yeah, it's super cool. I will say it's, it's, I I'm enjoying uh, while I'm not going to go into Hollywood films. I don't believe uh, (laughs) right. Right. Front porch podcast, the movie, um, the uh, it's still so neat to see some of these people that I would never give a second thought of in the credits of a movie, like publicist, like, what do you want to do a publicist for? And then you talk to this guy and like what he does and how much he's done for it. Like, Oh man, that is such an important job. And how could you mm-hmm. possibly manage doing that? Right. Someone, <laughs> someone gets one of his clients will get into a drunken fight, you know, or, or be, be uh, yeah. ag- accused of sexual misconduct. And he has to PR that. And you're like, you know, and the things he talks about how he has to talk to them and what he has to do with people and, going at night and day and then selling, he sold like he did Kim possible. And he's, you know, he has to sell, uh, uh, know everything about everything on every episode and then sell that to markets and publicize. Like, wow, man, I just here. I thought you had like a little job that did nothing and it's just massively overwhelming. So yeah, I couldn't do half that work out there. It's just too, too much. Um, uh, but cool. I'm, I'm glad to do it. So anyway, it's, it's a neat class. Uh, you know, maybe I'll have some other stuff as we go along. I don't. I can't talk really specifics, but I can tell you know sure. some broad things like we just did today, and and it's it's been it's been fun. We we'll, we'll got two more weekends of it, but that is what my weekends are going to be totally full of. Um, I guess it's a good thing to be full on.
0: Uh, yeah, it's one of those uh, we. I think I said that. I remember, we talked for a while off the air, but it like it's a full class that just meets a couple times, so you have, it's long stretch of of yeah. hours. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and get it done over with and I mean, well it
0: sounds it sounds super interesting and fun but also uh low-key exhausting so
1: yeah it, it is i mean yeah. it, it's kind of like uh well you think about gen con gen con is super fun but by the end you're mm-hmm. you're done and ready to go home and you're like how can you be done and bored of all that wonderful time <laughs> you're like you just are right you know like I, yeah you can yeah. only take so much right um, and right. and i i do come home on sunday night i was glad that it, it was over even though it was a, an experience like whew, huff puff let's be done with that and move on um, so right, I'll be right. I'll be glad when it's all done, but you know, bittersweet type stuff. Okay, so moving on with our other show. We talked too much about this one. Um, you're in Texas this week and I was in the mood to watch a cowboy show. And I talked about I just watched True Grit. So this week's movie, mm-hmm. we're doing Tombstone. Let's talk about Tombstone, yeah?
0: Yep. All right. Uh as Michael said, for this week we watched Tombstone from nineteen ninety-three, uh directed by George Cosm Cosmetos. Mm, I'm saying right. that wrong. Kurt Russell, Val Kilmer, Sam Elliott, Bill Paxton, uh Michael Brian, Bean others. Man, Michael Powers Bean. Booth is in this even. Bean Powers Booth, yep. Powers Booth, and uh there's one other actor in this, who was also in Deadwood. Did you catch it?
1: Uh, Isn't it? Dana Delaney's in it. Isn't she in Deadwood?
0: No. You sure? I think so. You know, know. she could be. I found this cool uh, feature on IMDb where you can do cross, uh, cross search. She was in an episode of BSG. No. Well, anyway, the actor that I'm thinking of is um Paula Malcolmson who is Trixie in uh in Deadwood. Oh really? She's playing she's playing Allie Earp, who's um Oh yeah, okay. I think it's Sam Elliott's uh uh wife. The the, the wife the wife characters in this movie are barely there. Right, yeah, sure. Um uh,
1: the lady yeah. I was thinking of was Molly Parker in Deadwood uh, she's actually right. the, she's, she's actually the mom on Lost in Space. And she's on really Lost in now. Space, yeah, yeah, yeah. she's she's really good in in both those things.
0: Um, you you maybe you maybe thought they were the same because the the stories are so, anyway. I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> right. um, yeah, so this is a western. It's a it's a, clearly a 90s era western. Mm-hmm, At mm-hmm. some point, maybe we should put uh, we should put Maverick on this list. I don't know if we're ready for Mel Gibson.
1: Um. <laughs> well, Ma- Maverick felt very jokey, I think. But it's been—I've only watched it one time. So we'll have to watch that
0: one It's again. yeah, we'll it's, watch that. One it's again. more. It's been a long time since I've seen that, but I—I I also remember it being more jokey than this.
1: Yeah, it—it it had this. This show was chock full of people. I mean, it really—it's got Michael Rooker in it. Stephen Lang is mm-hmm. Ike. Ike. It's so funny seeing Stephen Lang as Ike. He's. People don't know Stephen Lang is. If you watched Avatar, the Avatar movie, he's the okay. big buff like villain guy mm-hmm. in that one, the sergeant guy. He's like he plays the the cowardly Ike cowboy that always oh, getting beat up all the time.
0: Which is um one one that I didn't catch until I saw the name in the credits and then went back and looked it up. Um Billy Zane, who is yep. probably best known for Titanic is uh the the other actor who's with i saw him on the screen and i was like i was like man this guy looks familiar but i couldn't find him by his name because they weren't saying his name um yeah i spent a probably more time than i should have during this movie like looking up actors because, yeah for
1: sure because i i heard uh, i heard the voice when um uh, Wyatt Earp walks in, comes into town, and he goes into that to that hotel that's running a, a casino type thing, a, a gambling table. There's the guy mm-hmm. that's running the table, and his voice was so familiar. I was like, "That's not who I think it is." And I looked it up, and sure enough, it's Billy Bob Thornton, um, who's the Ooh. the guy at the table, and he looks nothing like Billy Bob Thornton. He's like, I I saw his name in the credits
0: too. Heavier. Um, uh, Thomas Hayden Church, who I would not yes. have recognized before. Um, watching uh spider-man no way home um, <laughs> right he was he, sandman he looks, yeah he looks kind of the same here as as he did because of course this is not too long as maybe 10 years before this movie part of it is a lot of the actors like this movie's 30 years old yeah right al- yeah almost yeah. and so a lot of these actors look you know different than in things we see like all i mean sam elliott doesn't look that different from uh he's doing that prequel series to yellowstone called 1883 mm-hmm. and he just looks like an older sam elliott like yeah. he looks pretty much the same um you know val kilmer obviously right. uh, we talked about bill paxton i i now cannot remember who but when he came on screen i thought he was somebody else oh kind really the same thing with kind of the same thing with kurt russell i was like wait who is that guy because there are a handful of of male actors in this era that I I I get confused. I don't know if I think now I don't remember. Like I want to say Bill Pullman, but I know it's not Bill Pullman. Like he and Bill Paxton do not look that no. similar. No. Um. But anyway, yeah. yeah the yeah, the just a lot. It, of... it was
1: just chock full of people. I mean, it re- mm-hmm. it really really was. And and you go down to the stuff and like, oh, I know. Like and and granted, when it came out, these people weren't all that big. I mean. Now they are all these secondary cast members and stuff. I mean, they might've been a little bit kind of on the, on the rise at the time, but now they, they've kind of come around in their own kind of shows. Terry Quinn was another one too, which is Locke from Lost.
0: Um, he was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Locke. Lock, lock. Yeah. I saw as the credits were rolling again, the credits were rolling. I was like, Terry O'Quinn, that sounds familiar. And, Fortunately, this doesn't always happen my my brain put the pieces together because if you asked me who played John Locke I'd be like I don't know it's I don't know guy. yeah sure yeah. that that bald guy who's we've seen in a couple other things but when he came on screen as the mayor I was like oh man it's John Locke and then when the credits were rolling and it said Terry O'Quinn I was like who's Terry O'Quinn, O'Quinn? <laughs> that was that was John Locke okay oh, right God. yeah pieces are
1: yeah so so anyway I will say this is, was my growing up, obviously it's in the nineties. So I growing up, this is my, my Western of, mm-hmm. of my generation, pretty much for sure. It's, it's, um, obviously you can't tell all the story of all of, like say Wyatt Earp and there's so much, there's other shows. You can also watch more of Wyatt Earp stuff. Um, but, um, and it did, t- does take some liberties with the stuff, but honestly, wikipedia some of the things that happened in this this show and they will tell you or google it um it happened a lot a lot of the things happened in this show that were all historically accurate that's what as i was watching it, i started putting on my movie person reviewer hat and i was like what's going on with the like the order of this show i they just took out the bad guy and there's like 30 minutes left
0: you know the the closer it got the closer it got to the end, the more I started to get that sense, I was like, I feel like we're starting to follow historic events here. And so like, yeah, you know, at at the time, right. We had, we had writing, we had photography Mm -hmm. right in the, in the wild West in the 1880s. Right. Um, But you could definitely see how, you know, wider like, as you, I don't know. Do we want to hit the bell spoilers for this story? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We're going to spoil the story of Tombstone. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, uh, skip ahead and come back. So you could definitely see how the historical record says, like, here were his his brothers, and they were in this town, and they did this thing, and the one died this way, and the other died, or doesn't die this way. And then he, he, he goes, and then he forms a posse with these guys, and he picks up Michael Rooker and a few other people, and they go around, and they murder every red sash cowboy they can find right. and then all you've got is you know maybe a series of newspaper articles that were like they you know Wyatt Earp and his boys came through here and they slaughtered five more of the or the cowboys because it gets more and more montage Yes, the late like right. it's so late in the movie and I'm like what are we doing with these montages mm-hmm. and then as I was watching it I was like I'll bet I'll, I, I don't think I formed this thought coherently but i was like i bet this is kind of it's trying to be kind of true to historic events and so they're like this happened and this happened and and that's what it shows you all at the end because it felt like it's gonna be a weird thing to say and you know again mm. this is a 30 year old movie it felt longer than it was yeah sure. um and a part sure. of that is me i don't watch a ton of long-form entertainment i have a bad habit of like multitasking while i'm watching a movie right. um which i uh uh in- very intentionally tried not to do with this like i did i was folding laundry a little bit in the beginning and then mm-hmm. after that i was like i'm gonna sit and i am gonna watch i'm not gonna do anything else yeah Cow- cowboy I mean, shows
1: you kind of have to or westerns I guess.
0: pay it you know every once in a while i was looking somebody up on imdb but but other than that yeah. i was like focused in and i'm like okay, it feels like we're we're winding down here. We're going to get... He's going to go, and they're going to ride off in the sunset, and it's mm-hmm. going to be done. But, it like, you no, know, here he's... Wait, they're finding another... There's another group here. What's going on? And the movie just kept going. Like, I was sitting far enough away from my screen that I couldn't, like, move my mouse and check the, check the run time, which I've You're definitely right. done many times with movies. Otherwise, I would have known that there was half an hour left. Yeah. But I was like... I felt like the movie should have been over 20 minutes ago and it's still going like, yeah, it, this, it, this hasn't it was, been resolved. And it was, so Wyatt Earp has, um, a- after
1: the show, I've, I've done some reading on, on Wyatt Earp and, and you know, he's mm. got a, he's got a mixed history, right? You know, mm-hmm. history, history is one of those things that, you know, told by one person, it's something and told by another, it's another, you know, of course. And, and there's not, especially back then when everything's falsified or not falsified, like, uh, Wyatt Earp, for example, was voted out of office as as a marshal. Why would he be voted out of office? Well, because um, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Ring uh, Johnny Ringo mm-hmm. ran uh, was in charge of the county uh, elections board and that had ten people that could vote, but they won one hundred and eighty to one. Right. So they he had right. the cowboys go from place to place and stuff, the ballot boxes. Um, and so so when you have history like that. It's hard to tell what's fact and what's fiction. And then and then of course people newspaper writers will blow things out of proportion back then and there's it's just a
0: it's sure. hard Try, to piece together. Trying to sell papers. I mean that that kind of stuff has been true. Think about how hard it is to find like the truth of a story now with yeah. all the information we have. Now imagine you have like 1% of that amount of information or maybe right. like 3 or 4%. So you have 3% 3% of the information we have now. And you're trying to piece it all together. It's like a um, Lawrence of Arabia kind of thing, where you've got these legends, some of which are are encouraged by the actual person. Right. Um, and like, oh yeah, how do right. you Figure out and
1: families too. Families will want you know that tell the story of you know, like say Wyatt Earp's son will want his dad, legend of his dad to be big, so he'll tell this big story on his biography. Right? You know, like is right, it real? Right. Is it not? Uh-uh, you know. Um, But anyway, white Earp has a. a it's is like that. It's a very long history where he did a whole bunch before this movie. Before, like he came, he comes at the beginning of this movie in Tombstone, retired, right? Right. Like he's he's stepping down from his lawman days. Um. So there's a whole Wyatt Earp story before this, and there is a whole Wyatt Earp story kind of after it ish too. Like after he, when he goes after the cowboys, it, my favorite scene in the whole movie is when he says, "You know, you tell him I'm coming, and hell's coming with me." Um. Mm-hmm. When that scene happens, like there's a whole lot of history, many years that happened after that. Right. When he chases right. down Johnny Ringo and each he, any, he, um, which are, you know, these are real people. Um, he chases down, um, uh, Billy, uh, Brocious is his name. I think the, the leader of the, of the Cowboys, like he chases these people down, uh, and it takes a long time. He goes all over many States and sometimes many right. times illegally, hunting down these cowboys. But so that itself can be a whole friggin' story, a whole movie. So mm-hmm. this, this seems to like want to focus on some highlights. Like it focuses on the okay. Corral. It focuses right. on his family, right. On Virgil and on Morgan. And I think mm-hmm. that's the story it wanted to tell. And then the writers told it in half the time, right? Like in the first hour, mm-hmm. And then they're like, yeah. okay, now we'll just finish out Wyatt Earp's story quickly in these montages and these quick things shots, right? Yeah, um, which is a weird. I think weird choice. Yeah, I I like I liked the movie, but yes, I think that if it was, you could give somebody a piece of advice for the screenwriters. You could you could say like, hey, focus more on Tombstone. You know, put more on the relationship of Josephine, or take time on that kind of stuff, but.
0: Um, yeah, I I could not, and you know, a lot of this is me, but I could not separate this movie from Deadwood. Um, okay, no. sure. Part of that is I love Deadwood. We've yeah. talked about it on the show. Yeah. I've watched it through at least twice. Yeah, and some of the earlier stuff. I mean, it's similar. Stuff, it's, a, it's a it's I've a it's a new town. I've that's seen three wild or four west. times. And I acknowledge that I'm talking about something made over ten years, something like 2006. Um, after, no, after, after tombstone, Stone, right? Yeah. Like, like after tombstone. And right. so in my mind, aside from seeing the archetypal similarities between this herb story and what happens to, um, how's a railing given? Not, not, uh, justified. Um, Bullock, Seth Bullock, Seth Seth Bullock in, uh, in the, I'm, I'm confusing my Timothy. Seth, uh, Seth and Alma, like with Molly Parker's character. Yeah. Yeah. Seth and Alma, like, except, except that love story is so much better told. Sure. Right. Like she's, and it's, and it's sort of like, there are elements of both. So I can see when, I'm not going to remember the guy's name, but I can see when the writers and, and creator of, of Deadwood were writing that story, them calling back to this movie and going okay there are these elements of Earp's story that we don't know very much about but we're gonna we're gonna cherry pick bits of them and let's let's work the story and of course because it's fictional Mm -hmm. i mean some of those are real people obviously Uh, wild bill and and calamity jane and and that but um you know the characters in um in deadwood they take a lot more liberties with the story uh compared to what the historical stories, yeah. the historical people and so the the element of the story where she is um is a, a drug addict right it is addicted to Ronnie, opium yeah. laudanum um you know that's true of alma's character in, Allie, the, I mean. in the be- in the beginning um and you know she sort of breaks out of that as she, as her husband gets killed and it's a different sort of setup. Um, and the relationship with Seth, I'm sort of spoiling Deadwood if I get into details with this, but you know, he's married, but it's more complicated than, and it's more noble than, um, what's going on here where the story of Wyatt and, um,
1: Allie's wife's name. Is it, is it Allie? I thought that was Allie Earp.
0: No, Josephine.
1: Oh, Josephine. Yeah, she's the the his later wife, right? That's his wife later. Okay.
0: Um, like
1: like he, I... he comes to town with Allie, and then Josephine is the one he meets the 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 movie the uh, sorry the the play actress. Is
0: it Allie? I don't know. There's several wives. Anyway, I said the wives. <laughs> there there's small several parts. wives there. um, Josephine is the main girl. Allie Earp is Paula Malcolmson, so I know that's not her. It's not important. His wife is addicted to opium. And that's really all we know about her. Right. Right. Is that she is addicted to opium and she's not the main girl. She's not Josephine. She's not this right. actress. And you're like, but he's married, but you don't really understand why he's unhappy in his marriage. Like until he starts, you know, seeing this actress. Oh, and uh, my
1: bad. Sorry. Allie is um, Virgil's
0: wife virgil's wife yeah is it is it maddie
1: i thought it was yeah maddie or bonnie it's got to be something like that but
0: bonnie there's also a there's a maddie maddie Maddie
1: blaylock i remember because he's going to name the mine after maddie blaylock
0: okay yeah anyway um like just for me watching this movie like i didn't understand why um uh why it was unhappy in his marriage and willing to like because he seems like you know this moral pillar yeah right right. like a you know what i expect like a seth bullock kind of character right and he's he's really not and you don't understand why and the story's not given enough time enough enough content to really to really show me any of that and you know seeing it from a like history adapted perspective i can see where maybe there wasn't information there and they didn't want to yeah wanna, they're they're probably like,
1: what i that's what i was thinking too is like maybe that she had a laudanum issue and that's what people kind of extrapolated but but who knows there was nothing ever written right like
0: right if there if there was nothing but like from a from a movie perspective from seeing the story brought to screen mm-hmm. i was like i don't i don't like this guy is supposed to be the hero but he's you know not quite cheating but he's like going out with this other girl but and it's and it's just it's all kind of rushed and um which know, and which I think that
1: and- I think the the that's that's why it's like they were they were sticking so much to the the historical parts of it like even when he comes in uh when Wyatt Earp enters that um uh enters that casino/hotel slash and he Pistol whips, about um, uh, Billy Bob Thornton's character, like mm-hmm. that's 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 was
0: reported, like that he did that. that. That was that was what happened, right? So
1: so like almost all the beats that happened in there were what was given, right? Like so what, so, so what if there wasn't very little given, they didn't seem to. They did extrapolate some, like the shootout the OK Corral. It looked like it was in front of the OK Corral, which it actually wasn't, was several blocks down. But for the most part it seemed like the director or writers wanted to only stick with what was written, right? What right. exactly we we knew or what somebody else had written down, and they didn't want to take too many liberties, right? Sure. Which which probably, like you're saying, hindered the structure of what you might want to... Like, it's when like, you get in Deadwood, like you get a... two seasons full of that, right?
0: Right, right. I mean, it's... it's structured story. I So I thought of this movie as sort of a not link in the chain but like a step in the process of bringing westerns from and I don't I don't know if they I don't I don't want to say that the western genre has arrived cuz sure. Deadwood definitely has issues you know it's one of yeah. those things that I love but I have a hard time recommending to people it also doesn't um, end
1: you know except for the movie 10 years
0: later it also yeah it also got canceled um not not canceled canceled like the tv should like HBO <laughs> stopped making it um <laughs> uh we weren't using that word that way in the early 2000s okay. right. um but a step in the chain from like obviously the silent film area era the like roy rogers uh to a certain extent john wayne kind of movie making especially in the western genre um where you had this Had this era of U.S. history that you were trying to, you were trying to adapt, and it had a lot of romance around it, but you know a lot of it was really problematic, and still, um, you know, a lot of stereotypes and caricatures, and and very like, um, what's the word? I'm like romanticizing like a kind of dark uh, era in in our history. Yeah, but but also you know as part of that romanticization um following uh that that I I'm not going to think of the term for it it's named after a guy but that that hollywood code where there was no like a man never cheated on his wife and mm-hmm. never you know used profanity or took the lord's name in vain or or never shot a man in the back and and all this kind of stuff that was you know, very popular in the forties and fifties United States, but not true at all in the wild West era. Um, Yeah. It's it's part of why Deadwood is so foul is that the director looked at that code and was like, that's ridiculous. That's BS in this era. I'm going to go the other way and, and show, you know, how rough it really was. And then you have, you have stuff in between like um, the good, the bad and the ugly that we watched uh, uh, on the poster that's sort of like it's somewhere in that era of like bringing things from John Wayne into Clint Eastwood and, and continuing on from there. And in the nineties, there was a lot of like, we watched legends of the fall and dances with wolves was in that era. Uh, last of the Mohicans kind of, um, kind of redeeming and, but still really romanticizing native Americans. Um, and, you know sort of getting us to so uh, all of that long-winded way to say um the story of this movie now with a little more of that context that that you just gave i can see where they're they were really really striving for historical accuracy and that's that's good that's important like you don't want to um you know like you want to be accurate right that if you're if you're telling history yeah you you want to be accurate but i I think think we also had to have those accurate
1: movies before we get a deadwick right like people right that's
0: that's what i'm saying like a step in the a step in the process so so somebody makes tombstone and they're like we're going to be accurate we're going to show all the um we're going to show just what we know and and you know we're not going to not going to add anything that we don't know um and that's good and this is you know it's a popular movie you know, I assume it did really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, another ten years later, a and not filmmaker, but a director comes along and says, "Well, what if we do that except, um, you know, still make something that is entertaining, right?" Yeah. That's still, and that sounds that sounds like I'm I'm knocking this movie, and I'm really not. Like it wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. It just that the, that thing that we talked about the the s- sticking just to the the facts and the record is good but it didn't make it didn't make a really coherent story it was more like just a sequence of events thrown together yeah that's um, that's,
1: that's very well said i think i think sequence of events was is a good description of this because it sure you could say it's wyatt earp and his uh attacking like the cowboy's and why? But that's broad strokes, kind of, and it doesn't.
0: Yeah, and I still, I almost at no point did I understand any of the characters or their motivations, right? Like, <laughs> why well, that, is he? The, so, their motivations like, well, that,
1: are that they were real people, like that's 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 the right. Thing that's
0: right that's what I mean. But instead of instead of the movie showing us that, or at the very least telling us that, they're just like he comes. So I mean the that beginning part of the wider character I get it's you know, the same thing that's echoed in the Seth Bullock character in Deadwood, like he was a lawman and it's yeah. too dangerous. It's too much hassle. Um, you know, he's, he's done and he's going to go, go private, uh, um, private sector. Stuff, right. Yeah. And, but he's going to do that in a weird sort of gambling way. in the, um, You know, it's like I can see the things where the writers of Deadwood were like, let's do that, except let's keep him like Seth Bullock is much more of a like paladin uh, character than than Wyatt Earp is here uh, or, you know, probably was historically. And so it makes it all the more impactful when he's, um, you know, sort of not really cheating on his wife, but he's having this affair and you're like, this is this guy, he's supposed to be like the paladin and he's doing this thing and you're like oh it's like it's it's more compelling yeah the the, Um,
1: say the the like the characters of deadwood they and i don't want to knock on deadwood for this one like they did the opposite thing they did not go historically accurate like if you read seth bullock he's not the paladin character right or even like the the character that they have him in the show they went the other way like let's get let's take let's cherry pick some guys and then just make up whatever you want, right? Right. And and right. just take the loosest interpretation and not let that interpretation uh, interfere with the stories that we want to tell. Whereas this one was, let's take the characters and then their story is their story, and you know we yeah, don't it's we a don't weird... necessarily know their motivation, but we're not gonna we're not gonna make it up because if it's we a do, weird... that's not it's a real person, right?
0: You know? It's a weird sort different. of tightrope walk, right? Where you're like, you know what? what makes what makes a good movie right like you can be Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know you can uh adhere very closely to just the information we have but then your movie gets closer and closer to just being a documentary and documentaries are great if you want to learn if you want to you know watch ken burns for 30 hours and learn all about the civil war like that's great but it's not it's not fun it's not entertaining it's not um you know, you might learn something. I mean, you're definitely going to learn something, but you might like, you might find something, um, personal to to glean out of that in the same way that you would watch a movie. But you're not going to be entertained, and you're probably not going to be moved emotionally. You know, I mean, unless it's you know some tragedy, and you, yeah. and not to belittle tragedy, but like, um, you know, from some real historic event. But you're not gonna, you know. You're not going to get any of those things that people usually want to get out of entertainment, out of out of movies. And again, not to say that you should go too far the other way. I mean, we our movie last week, Little Giants, is a perfect example of like a, a moving, emotional, entertaining movie that really is nothing there's nothing special about it at all. Like it's a yeah. copy of half a dozen other movies. Um and yeah so it's a tricky i don't know where the balance is like i said i i I love deadwood but part of that is so is because it's so compelling to me i'm not really like it's one of those and i think there have been more and more of these recently um like costume dramas or 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 period time period productions that are um intentionally anachronistic right Mm -hmm. um I've, I've noticed it more in, in the earlier periods, like, um, you know, Victorian and some of those with, with shows like Bridgerton, um, somewhat less so the Emily Dickens series, Dickinson, um, Dickinson, Dickinson, um, but Deadwood is a really, really good example of that because they're using modern profanity, right? Which they didn't have in the 1800s, but, the language being used by people on the wild west and the frontier was rough and offensive to civilized ears at the time. And so like you, 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 the, I keep wanting to say filmmaker, the creator of that series makes that choice so that when you start, you see it and you, and you, you recognize this is not historically accurate. Yeah. Right. Like, like we're trying to take the spirit of a thing and make something entertaining. Right. Um, and I'm not holding that up as like the answer as like the best way you do it. It's something that I very much enjoyed, but I've also watched um shows and adaptations that do that. And those, those things bother me. Those inaccuracies and anachronisms bother me to a point that I'm, that I'm not entertained anymore. So I think the, the it's a, it's a tricky yeah. the, the With, with
1: Deadwood, right. it seemed like that they, I mean, obviously it feels like that they were wanting to tell the story of Deadwood, right? That's the, the important right. thing is like how that, what that town was like. The town. Uh, and, 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 and it was a nice place to say that some mildly uh, well-known people came through there. Um, but they didn't, the thing is that they didn't focus. They, ch- and I think they intentionally with Deadwood did the thing that they didn't want to do a tombstone was that, well, we can take these liberties because the people we're using are very, they're just barely known. Like, Wild Bill Hickok sure. was, spoiler for Deadwood again, was killed early, right? He wasn't throughout in, the entire the series. Yeah. Elsewhere right. Engine, the real Elsewhere Engine, they don't have a whole lot. Not, it's like a small footnote, what he really about him, right? And hmm. Cal- Calamity Jane's probably the most popular one, but still. You know, there wasn't a whole whole lot that people know about their sto- her story. There's like movies made about her and and stuff like that. So they they could take a whole lot of liberties and no one would really get upset. Not not a whole lot of people are you know gung ho hardcore fans of Charlie Utter, like the real right. Charlie <laughs> Utter, right? Right. So 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 right. someone could come in there and make up completely fictional stuff about Charlie Utter and what he did and have nothing to do with things. And there's not a whole lot of historians that are like. Oh no, I love Charlie. Edder. He's my favorite guy and all, you know I mean? They're just their names and they're real people, but they, by picking these people that they did, uh, they could, um, really take a lot of liberties and no sure. one will really go. So you do that with Virgil Earp and you're going to get like a ton of people, you know, mm. th- th- throwing, throwing fits. Uh, sure. but anyway, closing up on this one, um, the tombstone is still in my top four or five, not less. Um, at westerns for sure and and i think if any for all the reasons that that you've mentioned here or that i've said and, and agreed with is that uh as a movie itself is you know not like five star and everything else but uh the cast i think every bit of the cast is like incredible like i just they're just absolutely incredible with all the lines they give and if and if that cast wasn't in it the movie would be terrible I mean, it would, it That's would true. not, That's it true. would not sell at all. It would not be every little scene hinged on all those actors and actresses. And and I point out that, um, I mean, I say that too, because, you know, it's because of movies like this, that Kurt Russell is one of my favorite actors and he, and P, I can get a lot of flack for that, but, um, mm. but he, this show when Wyatt Earp is, um, Billy Bob Thornton's character decides he's just a big bully, and then he gets up in his face, and Kurt Russell calls him out and just slaps him in the face, and he, he just keeps just keeps daring him to pull his gun, you know, mm-hmm. and he just stares him down and pulls it there, and then slaps him again, and then just tells him, "Well, pull it out, boy," and then, like it's it's just that pure charisma of Kurt Russell and the way he looked, and then they would show him out in the um right in the middle of the street, and he draws up on um, Ike on Stephen Lang's character after he, he tries to come after um, like the the police officer was shot and Mm -hmm. Kurt Russell just has those eyes and that steely look when he just pulls his gun out and walks up on that guy and, you know, tells him to lay it down right away that you're like that, that actor did that. Like that's somebody else that would not work well at all. And, And Val Kilmer's portrayal of Doc Holliday that was incredible
0: right i mean i mean just think of all the johnny depp performances we would not have had without him being inspired by val kilmer
1: <laughs> by val kilmer
0: i mean for
1: sure i mean look, look at him at what he did there in in that in that show that was of course the the cup with johnny ringo when he spins the cup around was mm-hmm. phenomenal um and you get a crazy character like doc Holl- doc holiday interpreted by val kilmer um And when he has his demise at the end, it's, it's, um, suitably kind of heartbreaking and, but good all around. Um,
0: he's basically
1: dying the whole movie. He's He's dying the whole movie from the very beginning to the end. It's
0: just like this very first scene. I'm like, Oh, he doesn't look great. And then the next one, like everybody else is fine. And he's like sweaty and pale. I'm like, Oh man, this guy. Yeah.
1: Well, I, you know, one history I've not looked up is who is this Kate character based on that doc holidays with like, what's her motivation if you want to know the historical when we talk about motivations they never really mention that at all like she's yeah, just trying she's to murder like this guy or what
0: hungarian or or i forget what her character is she's foreign
1: yeah um, rem- remember she just like when the doctor comes and says you need the to let Polish. your vices down and she just starts like giving him a cigarette and wanting a to cigarette have sex with mouth. him and, yeah i like yeah is she like trying to murder him? She never, that's one of those things like they never tell us her motivation or,
0: yeah, I, I think so. So for me, I didn't think this was bad. I think, I think there's a middle ground closer to this movie than Deadwood, where you tell a historical, uh, uh, historically accurate story, but still make it compelling, still make Mm -hmm. it interesting, still like, yeah, maybe you have to fill in a little bit of the blanks, but um you know, you could give us something for why things aren't working with his wife. Like understand why he's unhappy in this situation and why the the um Josephine character is um is appealing to him in that way, like yeah. There's there's something there more that you, that that you can tell. But aside from that, like Um, the production value is great for this era. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a lot of, it's a lot of practical effects and things. Um, there's an aesthetic to this that we, I don't think at least not in the mainstream had gotten before that this, um, I should, I should try and find a photo, but I went to a Halloween party one time and I, I was, you know, super, uh, uh, we used to say try hard went to a costume shop, like to get a Halloween costume for this Mm -hmm. party. And put together a a cowboy outfit with the help of one of the employees there, and that we actually described as a tombstone kind of thing. It was like the the more civiliany flat brimmed hat, not the oh yeah, not the iconic uh, you know Texas style cowboy yeah. hat that we saw for so long from Roy Rogers and
1: I liked Earp's outfits in this one, like what they were that what you're describing that that fancy. Like, they're out in there, and they were all looked really sh- sparkly and shiny. Like, those were those were cool.
0: Yeah. There's know, there's it's... one scene when they reveal Josephine in the bar, and she's got a dress that's really shiny. And I'm like, is that supposed to be, like, silver thread or something? Because it looks polyester. But I know that <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, are right, some, sure. there are some kinds of silk um, um, and taffeta and things, and I'm familiar with some of those things from when we used to do Civil War reenacting. And this is not you know, it's like two decades barely after that era. So a lot of these things had not, um, had not changed that much. So I was like, is that, that looks like modern fabric, but it can't, it can't really be like (laughs) in an overt way. Like it's, it's something that they're, they're still trying to, uh, right. Still trying to do. So I think, I think this movie has that to recommend for it, but yeah. Um,
1: yeah, Yeah, I, I would too. I obviously I'm, I, got a thumbs up on it for sure. This is one that I can, I can easily recommend to people for cowboy things. I think it's a very bite sized, simple movie that you can recommend to people. Um, you know, that, that they could probably, you know, drift in and out of watch like a third of sure, it and feel sure. like they've seen enough of the movie, you know, or they could watch the second, third or the, you know, and then the the, the last act, I think you could watch acts, just the acts in themselves and then get enough.
0: Um, it's yeah, got, I don't it, think I don't think there's anything I've seen like recent in the in the Western genre that I would recommend over this, you know, unless there, yeah. m- you know, maybe some TV shows, which are really a different, a different uh, thing. A but lot like, of the
1: Western, a lot of the Westerns have been very long form Westerns in the last twenty years. Like, right, right. The, like, like I said, we watched the one on the Netflix and True Grit Godless, and Godless. Um, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't
0: recommend Godless over this. I wouldn't recommend uh, uh, Buster Scruggs over this, although that's yeah. a um, um, Coen Brothers thing. That's different. Um, but And those those aren't bad. They're, they're just like
1: Westerns have gotten kind of this long, slow. We we went at length when we talked about a couple of other Westerns we watched about how everything's slower out West, and everything has kind of got that slow. Right. And the, the Westerns have kind of taken that kind of thing. So th- this... This is easy, easily absorbable, I think, from, from people. And it does give you some, it's the best, I think, the best, okay, corral shootout uh, mm. example. And it has um, uh, some history to it. But yeah, right. go, going forward, like we say with a lot of these other genre things um, multiple times, and you've pointed out here, you know, they've gotten better. There's a, a lot of good Westerns have gotten better. Deadwood's a perfect, perfect, perfect example. Like you take what they've done before, and then now we've improved it. So, right, uh, and honestly, if you were just looking for a real Western, like I want to get into a real Western, I definitely would recommend Deadwood, uh, even over Tombstone. Uh, you know, if like time wasn't a
0: limitation it's, and it's, stuff like that. It's rough. It's definitely, you know, as we say, TVMA. I would, I would call season one of Westworld more entertaining than this, although I don't know if that's, it's it's truly a Western. That's a little spoiler there, but. That's a weird it's, one, yeah like sci-fi western but uh yeah so
1: anyway okay so what
0: what do we got next week you're oh man we're dude. we're running we're running long on time our our show always goes long when we when we don't have many topics because there's nothing <laughs> to keep us from rambling about the uh movie making stuff for 40 right. minutes <laughs> um okay i was thinking how do you feel about watching rear window
1: what is what is i don't even i don't i'm a, sure i don't know what that is but sure it's
0: uh it's james stewart jimmy stewart uh grace kelly it's a hitchcock film oh okay <laughs> <laughs> i love that it's t- like you're on board with well, whatever you you gave me some words i'm i'm cool and you're like uh no no so i it's mean a, my experience
1: I, with the show and with hitchcock has been you know high and low it's uh, that's all i've that's only right, i get with right. all i get with hitchcock is like
0: Psycho i like it or Virgo, i hate it i think or i think or what we watched yeah um and, and i put I think this one on my list I've really liked and one of those yeah like, i ugh. so so this i don't remember a lot about this i watched it years and years ago um jimmy stewart is a guy who is in a wheelchair i don't think he's paralyzed permanently i think he's been injured but he's stuck in his apartment and he spends a lot of time looking out his window at the building across the street, or courtyard, or whatever. And so he's he's sort of, um, well, I don't, I don't want to get into that and his impressions there. But he sees something that I think is a murder, or he thinks it's a murder. Um, and that's as much as I remember about the story. Um, I put this on the list because last year they made. A uh, a gender swap remake of it with uh Amy Adams. Okay. Um, Woman in the Window or something like that. And when I heard about it, I was like, oh, we should watch that, but we should also watch the original first. Now the the remake has like twenty to thirty percent on both critics and audiences on Rotten Tomatoes. So I don't think I wanna make either of us <laughs> sit through sit through that. Right. Um but we can still watch the original. I think it's it's well regarded in in, in Hitchcock's. Uh, now, can now I
1: Jimmy, think. now give me give me right off. if I'm getting this, these these people here. Jimmy Stewart and Hitchcock, wasn't he in a Hitchcock movie that he was? It was very very uncomfortable with how he was treating women.
0: <laughs> um, uh, Vertigo. Right? Vertigo, Vertigo, oh, man, yeah. that was we- that was just creepy. Weird. He does some. I don't think there's any of that with this this character. I mean, he's he's still not George Bailey, but he's he's playing a. I think he's playing a more a more sympathetic uh, uh, character.
1: <laughs> That's good. I, I was looking at some pictures real quickly, just cursory looking at this movie, and and I see him like peeping down with a telescope camera i'm like uh, this is giving me that vertigo vibes this guy. right that <laughs> I'm, I'm having that, a hard time stuff, shaking that
0: that stuff happens early on and so it's a sort of like you're seeing what he sees and you're kind of fascinated by what you're seeing and then it sort mm-hmm. of zooms out to you see him and you're like oh i'm he's watching these people just like i was just watching these people and i i don't i feel kind of bad now it's a weird <laughs> but right. it's, it's hitchcock right
1: yeah so. it's, it's it's one of those things cool okay rear window got ourselves an an old movie i dig dig old movies yeah good good old movies
0: all right so that's that's next week and i have i do have some more um um, anime adaptations or adaptations anime recommendations uh Uh but i'll save those uh for some time when it sounds like you'll be busy with your class for a couple weeks so i'll Mm -hmm. save those uh for after that there were some really good uh uh anime series this year this past year all right, you've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 230. Thanks, as always, to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News and LRM Online. If you want to reach out to us with suggestions for things that we should watch and discuss, you can do that uh, old-school via email. Our address is frontporchpod at gmail.com, or you can head over to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, and use the contact forms there. Super easy. If you enjoyed The Front Porch, please consider consider subscribing on the podcaster of your choice and while you're there if you leave us a review we always appreciate that as always thanks so much for joining us until next time i'm dennis and i'm michael for the front porch night everybody see you next time